Michelle Buteau. Today we're taking the show off the stage and into the studio for an extra intimate conversation with actress, activist, and super woke video ho honey, Tessa Thompson. I can't even tell you where I saw this woman first. Like, was it her starring role in Dear White People? Or was it opposite Michael B. Jordan in Creed? Yes, please, and thank you. Was it Murder on the Floor or Thor Ragnarok or perhaps a little-known film called Selma. Hello! And let's not forget that she could be seen looking as sexy as fuck in multiple Janelle Monet videos. I mean, oh my God! But it's when I first saw her speech at the Essence Black Women in Hollywood Awards that I knew I had to have this dope-ass chick on my show. She's funny, she's smart, she's thoughtful, she uses her platform for good, she wears dope platforms, and on top of loving her for all those reasons, it turns out we have a little something that the two of us share. Now, I'm not going to spill the beans, though, honey. You're going to have to listen for yourself and find out in this episode. Plus, it's like you already started this episode, so why would you not listen? That, like, makes no damn sense. You'll listen to the episode. You already hit play. So I am sitting here in WNYC Studios in my best ripped plus size jeans. Thank you for Ever 21. And I'm here with Tessa Thompson. Oh, my God. <laughs> to say I love you, it's, I mean, it's true. <laughs> um, and isn't that weird? Like, you love somebody before you meet them? Yeah, it's really weird. But it, I, I love you, too. Just, you know, I'm not saying that just because I feel like I have to. It's a true thing. I really love you. Okay, just, <laughs> I can't deal. Okay, so um, I loved your essence speech. You were talking about casting and stereotypes. Mm. Historically, Hollywood has had an easier time affording black women with fairer complexions opportunities. This truth has, yes, benefited me, and it's also left me with a profound anger and confusion as to why I would be in the pursuit of gaining success inside of such ugliness. But there has been a systemic shift as of late that I see. When I traveled to Wakanda or on a girl's trip to New Orleans, I understood with more poignancy and purpose why I have been doing this for so long. So that in each of us, another woman or young girl might see a reflection of herself, of her worth, of her boundless potential. We work in concert, all of us, and I'm so, so proud to be among you. I'm so impressed you brought it up. Oh, like just the idea of colorism. Yes. Yeah. It took me a while to really understand it, tr truthfully, and right. to be able to like unpack it and look at it. And I think right now, particularly in Hollywood, we're in this space where like there's a lot more opportunities for women of color. Mm -hmm. And I think you still look inside of that and you're like, well, what kind of women of color? Right. So, and, and what kind of parts are available? And I think you see that there's still like a huge bias and Hollywood still like has a type. Um, yeah. And there are like obviously exceptions to that. But I think in terms of like real inclusivity, we, we have some work to do. And I feel like because I work inside of Hollywood, a part of that work has to be my responsibility. Whereas in the past, I didn't necessarily, I didn't understand. And I think I was just trying to gain opportunities. Yeah, and, show and, up. And, sh and yeah. show up, you know. And mm -hmm. so I didn't always 
think about or understand the implications of myself in a in a part or in a narrative, and I think now I just have a, a better sense of an awareness. Right. I didn't realize how stereotypical it was till I moved to L.A. Yeah. You know, because I'm from Jersey and I have, like, the Northeast thing and, you know, whatever, and it's always been, like, a sassy Spanish person, even though I'm not mm. Spanish. <laughs> it's, like, how anyone can, like, understand me and yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I feel like I am um, taking a job away from a Puerto Rican person yeah, that could do that yeah. in 2.2. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. so— Going to L.A. was really interesting for me because I was like, oh, they'll never be, like, looking for an African-American. They'll be, like, sassy, tells it like it is. And then I have also been fired from jobs because they're like, can you put a little hey girl hay in it? Yeah. And you're like. (sighs) I'm like, do those tap shoes come in nine and a half? (laughs) Because that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, man. I feel like a lot of us have worn out our taps. Yeah. yeah that's, My knees hurt. Yeah, you're like, I need a <laughs> break from this. It's interesting, though, because inside of it, like, I was talking recently about how I found—I I watched a film and I found it refreshing that I saw a mixed-race family. Mm-hmm. And then some of the people got it twisted, and th- I don't think that there needs to be any more, like— representation of mixed girls in media, mm-hmm. I think we're plenty represented. Like, yeah. that was not my point. My yeah, point get was— Get out of here, Meghan Markle. Yeah. You're taking my jobs. <laughs> Just kidding. Like, I, I welcome people being like, Tessa Thompson, all right. You know, like, whatever. You know, like, I think I think we're, we're plenty represented, right? Because mm-hmm. Hollywood, you know, problematically has a type. But what I was saying is, like, for example, I grew up inside of a family where, like, I had a mom that, for all intents and purposes, looked white, right? Yeah. And I, Mine, too. And yeah. my mom's half black. And my mom's yeah. half Mexican, but I would walk around with her, and and my sister looked white. And I, at school, people always thought I was adopted. Oh, there wow. was a period when my when my older sister, like when we were in a school, said that I was because she got teased so much because oh. of me because I was like the only brown kid in school, oh. and she couldn't like figure so out for a period why and and how to be kind to me and also like escape being teased herself. So navigating those sort of dynamics as a family, and that's something that I haven't that I haven't seen in media. And we're in a period where most families, the way that a family looks now is we're all over the map. Yeah. I don't know if you get this, but when I travel around the world, I get whatever people think I am. You know, like my dad yeah. lived in Venezuela. I was like— You could be from Brazilian. anywhere in the world, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I went to Spain, and I was just like the Puerto Rican that didn't know how to speak English. Yeah. You know, I go to France, they're like, oh, this dumb Moroccan girl keeps <laughs> drinking wine. And so, like, I'm very sensitive to how other people are treated and how other people treat people, right? So I always smile at people, and not that that would change their mind, but come on, like big tits, freckles, relax. I have a question. Does your husband ever tell you to stop talking about him? I love when you talk about him. But is he ever like, babe, all right, all right. Or you know do what? you do you ask him, like, do you like say, hey, I'm gonna do do you run a bit by him? I'm just always curious about this. You in know your what? Work. I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, because I did a bit about his name on HBO. Yes, and- I know. I love that bit. <laughs> and I didn't realize that people would watch this um <laughs> set. And I used to and I didn't know this. When we do when I would do a live show, I'd have him stand up and make uh, the audience clap for his foreskin. I'm like, this is my new roommate, foreskin. I'm for the skin. And it wasn't until six years in, he was like, babe, can you not do that? Oh, wow. Yeah. So. Wow. It took him six years. <laughs> so have you been to Holland, by the way? I have not been to Holland, no. It's 
It's amazing. It's beautiful. I don't know how to say anyone's names. Yeah. It's like speaking Dutch. It's like Dutch 101 the minute you go. <laughs> and they're like, hello. I'm like, hey, I'm Michelle. They're like, I'm cheered. And I'm like, don't know how to. Okay, boo. And so my husband's name is spelled G-I-J-S. Guys. <laughs> And um, every time I post a picture of us, everyone's like, is that jizz? And I'm like, oh, that's really (laughs) fucked up. Um, (laughs) So getting back to your family, what's it like having a creative family? Uh, It's weird because I feel like in some ways it's totally liberating Mm -hmm. in terms of, like, freedom of expression, which I feel like I had a lot of. And then I I wonder about the ways in which, like, depending on what your parent does or the people in your family do well— at least for me, like, growing up, I was always interested in maybe, like, songwriting or playing guitar. And my dad would be the person that could give me sort of a an entrance into yeah. that. But because he was good at it, that yeah. terrified me. You know, well, like, tell me about his band, his group. Um, so he has a, a group where it's Chocolate Genius Incorporated, and he's a singer-songwriter. And my mom is really gifted. Like, uh, she can make anything with her hands. And, wow. and my stepmom is a photographer. Um, but I feel like side, everyone else— Side uh, note. Side, yeah, when do we— Side note. We should do this now. <laughs> okay, let's just do it now. Yeah. So Tessa's stepmom is my cousin. Yeah. How crazy. (laughs) Which we only just, like, collectively figured this out. Yeah. It's like we all have been discovering and stalking each other, and now we're like, hey. I mean, this is so (laughs) insane. Like, I was already a fan of yours, probably your biggest fan, size 18. And now, (laughs) just kidding, plus size bitches. And now it's like I get to be, like, related to you somehow. Yeah, and I was a fan of yours. And then when they were like, this is our cousin, I was like, yeah, I know our cousin. I've been watching our cousin. That is insane. Can (laughs) we—I've been dying to go on Family Feud because I have no— brothers and sisters (laughs) let's get it together let's Um, play the kardashians oh my god yes please and thank you Mm -hmm. although uh, i just love having a real butt um (laughs) so yes and stepmom is a photographer yeah damn your family is so cool but also at least my friends who are really talented um they don't make the leap into acting or stand-up because their parents have always told them that's not a real job that's not a real job yeah so isn't it lovely that your parents are just like Go. Yeah. I think it's easier for my parents because my parents didn't have real jobs. Certainly my dad. He just didn't have any real jobs. He, like, parked cars once. That's his, like, claim to real jobs. But, like, (laughs) my my family is, like, kind of allergic to real jobs. Like, no one has a real job. Or if they do, they don't have it that long. I wish— I, that makes us sound real, like no, no, no. But like, you deadbeats. Are, but we, no, no, no. I, I do believe that the bloodline <laughs> is like running here because I feel the same way. In that I have done a lot of jobs and I try to do them well. I, yeah. I did retail for a while, yeah. and people would walk in the the store and I'd be like, "How you doing?" They'd be like, "Just look." And I'm like, "Bitch, I say how you do it." <laughs> Clearly not for me. I worked in a bakery for two days. People are like, "What's in the lemon cake?" I'm like, "Flour, lemon, butter, sugar, bitch." <laughs> like it's not a tattoo. It's a piece of cake. <laughs> so I do feel like stand-up is, like, truly my thing. Right. In that I can say whatever the fuck I want. People are laughing, and I get to go home. So isn't it nice to find your thing? I totally understand, like, the tree jobs, the five jobs, um, which I guess leads me to my next question. You're really involved in the Time's Up movement. Is that something that you found through being in Hollywood, or is that that activism always in you? I think I've always been really— interested in activism and truthfully I feel like kind of working inside of Hollywood maybe derailed my work Mm -hmm. potentially as an activist just because I was like 
working to try to, like, make a living at something that is Mm -hmm. kind of impossible for a while. Mm -hmm. But, like, growing up, I was always really interested in community organizing and, you know— yeah. And activism in in high school, and that was something that was really Wait, big for me. So, is it true you created a club in high school called Racial Harmony? Yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> Why are you so cute? No, oh, my God. Well, so, so the school that I went to was a, a public school, 4,000 students, at least when I was there, Santa Monica High School, and, and uh, you know, like really— Diverse. I hate that word, but true. Um, but really, really segregated. Why do you not like the word diverse? Well, I don't. I like diverse. I, I don't mind diverse. I hate diverse as like a shorthand. Like, di- like we need more diversity. Yes. Or when they call a person diverse, like a person Ooh, is not. People do that. Yeah, they do. Like a, in casting, sometimes they do. Like yes. we're looking to cast, you know, a diverse person. And oh my what god. What they mean is like to fill a quota. Of and course. I just find it, my like, favorite is like open ethnicity. Yeah. That's human, <laughs> bitch. What do you mean yeah. open ethnicity? It's yeah. pretty. It's pretty gross. And then I show up. It's like Asian girls, Indian girls, Spanish girls, me, black girls. I'm just like, oh, you looking for a neighbor. You looking for a sassy yeah, neighbor. Yeah, you're looking for the friend. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, so, so the, but the high school that I went to was also just problematic because in the 90s, I think there was like a lot of gang violence. There were real issues. Like the segregation sort of in the school had to do, I think, with— some some real issues that were happening in, inside of the campus. And, um, you know, the, the mm-hmm. principal was really trying to work to fight that. And I think we had conversations just as a student, a friend of mine, Rebecca Hart, and another girl, Allegra Hill, we sort of thought, like, wouldn't this be an interesting idea? And essentially just getting a, a group of students together to really talk about stereotypes and bias and to have wow. candid conversations around race. How was the club structured? It was um, a retreat. So oh. over the weekend from Friday night until Sunday night. This you, is proper funding. You slept over on campus and you basically had like a camping session and during the day you would do all of these activities so some were like team building some were basically like the white group and the latino group would get together and in front of each other like present the list of stereotypes that they had written about the other group wow and about themselves and then have sort of structured conversations around the findings did you notice a positive impact from the club from Racial Harmony, certainly. Like it, I love the name because it does sound like a P. Diddy <laughs> making the band group where I'm just like, Racial Harmony, coming up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and they'd have to be like one of each. You know, oh, those yes. like perfectly orchestrated groups oh, yes. are like, we need an Asian one, we need a da 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 All the yeah. primary colors are all black and white. You get yeah, it. <laughs> we were made in a think tank, uh, Racial Harmony. Uh, yes, I did notice a positive impact, particularly a positive impact inside of myself in the sense that I felt like I could navigate campus in a different way that when I looked out at like the quad which is where the area where everybody was during lunch and I saw like people organizing themselves in little groups and in many cases those groups being divided by race that I just felt like more comfortable to be in any space that felt good to me not because of what people looked like, but who they were. like, right. And for me, that I could like Wu-Tang and I could also like Joni Mitchell. And mm-hmm. so it meant that I could have all sorts of friends. And it, it made me feel more comfortable, I guess, to just cohabitate with other folks and, and, and freer. Yeah. 
Oh, my God. I, I feel like let's take racial harmony on the road. Let's take it on the road. Let's I mean, do a tour. What, you know what I mean? Let's do it. I mean, speaking of which, not that you have to have the answer for this, but how— does Me Too or Time's Up become something bigger than a hashtag? You know, like, what do you think, like, our individual responsibility could be? Yeah, that's something that I've been thinking an awful lot about and talking an awful lot about with people. I mean, the thing that was so powerful about Me Too, actually, is that it was a hashtag and it was a story. It was something that was really a storytelling movement Mm -hmm. and allowed people through storytelling to— talk about their experiences and acknowledge a sameness of experience, even though depending on the woman, it obviously really different. We, uh, we face really different things inside of that. But to acknowledge a real problem that we're not safe. And, you know, Time's Up is a different thing in the sense that it has to do with safety in the workplace mm-hmm. um, and not just in Hollywood but across industries mm-hmm. um, and the thing that people ask often that if I think that it's ephemeral that it's just like this you know moment as opposed to a movement but you know there's a, <sighs> a legal defense fund that exists and I think also it's really trying to create systemic change, you know, to look at the the workplace and acknowledge that when more women are in positions of power, sexual assault and abuse goes down exponentially. And so how do we create safe workspaces? Well, we, we hire more women and we put them in positions of power. And so just like acknowledging imbalance there and, and trying to course correct. How did you get involved in Time Out? <laughs> Time out. That's a magazine. Time's up. Time's up for Puto. <laughs> How did you get put on Time Out? You said Girl. some shit that was not right. It's a good thing the show is edited. <laughs> oh, please. Oh, please. I think Puto is French for edit because I'm a mess. Just messy. Um, how did you get involved in Time's Up? I got a sort of a cryptic um, text message saying, do you want to come over to my place and talk about what we do next? And it was at the height of Weinstein, and so I wow. knew because mm-hmm. of who it was coming from, a, a fellow actress, I knew that it was about what that what we're going to do inside of that space. Um, and so there was this idea to do this stunt around the Golden Globes to amplify the fact that this legal defense fund was being set up. Um, and so there was just a lot of, like, organizing groundwork to do to reach out to all the people that were going to go to the Golden Globes, going to be honored, going to be on stage to get them to wear black. But mostly it was to fundraise around the legal defense fund. And, and in those early conversations, all these ideas about different initiatives sort of came up and, and the meetings got bigger and bigger. And I just kind of kept showing up. Oh, my God. I'm so glad I'm here for it. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break, everybody, and we'll be back in just one minute. That's 60 seconds. I went to school. And we're back. So I want to get into one of your projects. Yeah. Your new film is coming out. It's called Sorry to Bother You. Mm -hmm. I saw the trailer, and I was like, I cannot wait to see more. This feels like it's going to be a cult classic. Tell me more about it. So Sorry to Bother You is— Set in Oakland, it's um, sort of science fiction with touches of magical realism. It's set in the world of telemarketing, and it follows 
character named Cassius who's working as a telemarketer, and he discovers that he can affect a white voice, Mm -hmm. and it allows him to get to the very top of this corporation where he finds out some less than, you know, uh, groovy things are happening. Oh, yes, let's hold up that mirror to society. I can't wait. Exactly that. So there's, like, some satire in it. It's really, it's kind of genre-bending and wild, and it marks the— feature debut of a filmmaker named Boots Riley, who's Oakland based, who is in the coup, Mm -hmm. is really into the the intersection of activism and art. And it's, I think it's really special. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I don't know, I feel like I I, I just love things that exist in the space of magical realism and, and, and movies that are weird. I love those films like Eternal Sunshine, The Spotless Mind, Mm -hmm. and Being John Malkovich. And, um, I would always watch those movies, and then when I started to do films, I just assumed that I would never get to be in films like that. Oh, wow. Because there aren't really, like, a lot of people of color. So I just dug that this was also a film that's weird and cool and trippy and has a cast of all people of color, for the most part. Yes, for us, by us. For us, by us, yeah. Yeah, you know, I used to be a telemarketer for all of two minutes, so I can't Oh, really? Wait. Yeah, but I got fired because people would hang up on me, and I'm like, I'm cute. Why are you hanging up on me? So then I started fucking with the housewives, and I'd be like, hi, is Bob there? Oh, fun. Yeah. Why it. would they hang up on you? Were you, like, doing your tight five? <laughs> I didn't even—I wasn't even doing stand-up at the time. I was just like, I just want to talk to Bob Smith. <laughs> oh, Bob. <laughs> oh, Bob, give it to me. <laughs> um, no, please give it to me. Now call Wayne at 100. Just kidding. Um, all right, this is rapid-fire questions. Cool. All right. You're very busy. You're mm. involved in a lot of projects. Not to be creepy, what your house look like? Is it an apartment? Is the house? Do you have plants? Do you have plants? Yeah, I have plants. They're all succulents. Nice. Yeah, and I they, like they, they're cool, man, because I can leave them for a couple months and like not water them. A couple months? Yeah, I have done it before and they're fine. Okay. But I also have a friend, she comes in sometimes and waters them. Oh, that's nice. I got two fish too, beta fish. <gasps> How do, who, but we have someone to take care of the fish. Yeah, the same friend that waters my plants, she's taking care of my fish. Thanks, Nicole. What's your um, fish's name, Wendy and Lisa? No, Mac and Mabel. Nice. Yeah, she named them. I like that you give her a lot of responsibility. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What does a laid-back Sunday look like for you? This is us right now. This is Sunday. Hashtag this is us. NBC's Netflix. Oh, my God. I still haven't seen This Is Us. Me neither. Let's watch it. We should watch it together. I don't want to eat popcorn, though. I feel like it gets stuck in my throat a lot. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Let's move on. I know. It got so dark. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, Okay, if you weren't acting, what would you be doing? You mean, like, realistically, or what would I want to be doing? What would you want to do? Like, uh-uh. I don't want to save dolphins, but I don't want to get my hair wet. Why? You don't like getting your hair wet? Yeah, it's too long to dry. Uh, I don't know. I, I always thought it would be cool to be, like, a dancer. Yeah, Like, a, had to have been a ballerina, and then I would have retired, and now I would be, like, a— I'd have, like, yes. a ballet company or Come through, Missy Copeland. Yes. I know, exactly that. Um, this actually um, takes me to my next question. If you, for the rest of your life, had to be a backup singer-dancer, would you rather do it for Aretha Franklin or Patti LaBelle? Aretha Franklin. Ooh, that was quick. Mm-hmm. Any Nothing against Patti. No. I mean, those pies are great. I've also, by the way, I think I'm, I've as a kid, I'm in a Patti LaBelle music video. I'm a video hoe. I just want everyone to know that. I'm so glad we're friends. Yeah, same. <laughs> Best concert you've ever been to? Uh, Prince. <sighs> me too. That was my first concert. Shut up, My really? first concert. My aunt took me, and um, I, I— Where was it? Jersey. And I, um, I just looked at Prince, and I was like, I want to be that woman when I grow up. Yeah, same. Wait, what tour was it? 
purple, right? Wow. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to call it just purple for sure. Can you imagine? <laughs> Although I just, I love the color purple. And uh, my Dutch mother-in-law was in town and she was like, I want to go to a black church and see happy black people. And I was like, no, I'll take you to see the color purple. And she's like, I don't like prints. I'm like, this is a lot. <laughs> I can't be the ambassador for all things Hey Girl, Hey Bitch. Um, what do you hope your legacy is? Well, this is—I don't know. It, be, it becomes a hard question, and like, because I, whether I want to or not, I occupy a public space, so that's different. I think I just want to be, and this is going to sound saccharine, but it's the truth. Like, I think what's m- most important is how I'm remembered by the people that like really know me. Mm-hmm. Like, did my family and my friends feel like I like treated them well, and did they know like that I love them and that they matter to me? You yeah. know, and you want to be like a lot of things to a lot of people, a lot but of like people. when you're mm-hmm. dying, especially when you're fucking dying, like yeah. when you're on your deathbed, like yeah. who are the people in the room, hopefully with you, your family, and yeah. like if you're in crisis, if they didn't, if you weren't in their lives, if you miss shit because you were on your hustle, like that doesn't feel good. So yeah. that's the thing that I think I think about the most. Well, I mean, I am so happy that we connected. Yeah, same. This is really cool. Thanks. Thanks. my god what a stunner sorry to bother you comes out july 6th see it love it support black owned businesses we'll be posting some clips of what didn't make it into this interview on twitter follow us at whenever and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast bitches yes late night whenever is brought to you by wnyc studios This podcast is produced by Joanna Solitara, Paula Schumann, Jennifer Sendro, Daniel Guimet, Adam Teicholtz, Jamie York, and Marianne Schauber. With Isaac Jones, Chase Colpin, Sarah Sandbach, Caroline English, and Melissa Chusid. Music by Rob Lewis. Add music by Isaac Jones. Have you guys read the show yet? Well, as long as you have something nice to say, please read the show. You know, it's free to put a smile on my face. And don't forget to subscribe to Late Night Whenever, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcast. Your potty pity pooty pooty pocket get get the podcast to do the podcast. It's a little put it put the pod. It's a pod in the end of the cast a podcast. This is me sober.